Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. How fun would it be to own an NHL team? You can invite all your friends to sit in the box, watch the games. Uh, The Ottawa Senators are for sale after Eugene Melnick, the owner, died last year. Uh, This past week was the deadline for bids to be submitted, though. Among the groups who appear to be in the running include a consortium that includes rapper Snoop Dogg, also apparently includes The Weeknd. It's led by an L.A. businessman, Nico Sparks. Snoop Dogg says their bid would include an equity stake for local indigenous communities. Uh, and Snoop Dogg has said he would use his stake in the Senators to help grow the sport in the U.S., especially among black children. Ryan Reynolds was in the running, but the group he was involved in stepped aside a week or so ago. Uh, word is the team could be worth close to a billion dollars, a lot more than the 92 million that Melnick paid for it back in 2003. That is 20 years ago, but still it's a tenfold increase. So why does everyone want the Ottawa Senators? How do the economics of this all work? Well, Moshe Lander is an assistant professor in the Department of Economics at Dalhousie University, and he's with us now. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. So let's talk about a team like the Ottawa Senators, not the most exciting team in all of sport. um, But why? I mean, tell me, how can a team like that be worth a billion dollars? Because the Pittsburgh Penguins sold recently for about $900 million. And so it's one of those things that, you know, anybody who's ever sold a house, if somebody in your neighborhood uh, sells a house with similar comps for, say, half a million dollars, then you feel emboldened to try and sell your house for five twenty-five. And if you manage to get that, then somebody else in the neighborhood says, well, then I'm going to go for five fifty. And that's exactly what happens with these professional sports franchises, is that once somebody sets the minimum level, everybody starts pegging from that. Right. But in terms of profits made, if you look at ticket sales, the ticket prices are really expensive, but they're not that expensive. What are they doing now that they weren't doing? Like, for example, the Ottawa Centers were $92 million 20 years ago, and that they're 10 times that amount now. So what, it, what are these sports teams doing that's increasing the revenue? Or is the revenue even increasing? So it's not a function of how much profit they make on a year-to-year basis. You'll be surprised that actually many sports franchises don't make money year-to-year. It's the appreciation and the value of the franchise over extended periods of time that's a great investment. And the reason that they are able to do that is because there's only 32 NHL franchises when there's maybe 35 to 40 cities that are capable of hosting a franchise. So the league designs it in a way so that there's always this excess demand. And so there's always somebody else who's willing to come along and say, I want to get my hands on that team. And since they don't come up for sale that often, it will inevitably drive the price higher and higher, despite the fact that, yeah, you're right, the Sens haven't had anything on the ice to be proud of. Right. Well, that sounds a bit like a, a sort of a pyramid scheme, because if they're not making the money and they're just hoping the equity in the team is going to increase, at what point does that stop? Well, it hasn't yet. <laughs> so, um, I don't envision that it, it happens anytime soon. It, again, it's, it's the design of the way that these franchises and these leagues run. So as long as you have more than 32 billionaires out there, 
that want to be a sports owner, then you're always going to be able to entice somebody when uh, an average size market comes on board uh, up for sale. And then everybody jumps in then and says, well, I want to get my hands on it. Uh, even people that have no connection to Ottawa. Right. So uh, I guess it's a bunch of billionaires who really want a shiny thing. It's, it's ego. It is in part, but it's also a great investment. Like you said, when you can make 10 times your money in a 20 year period, you're not going to find that on the stock market. And so what you're finding then is that, uh, you know, people are finding it more and more difficult to find a channel to invest their billions of dollars. And so sports franchises are a way where you can stroke your ego. You can be around professional athletes and you can be around stars that want to come to your games. But at the end of the day, it's, it's financial investment and it's a great investment if you can if you can get involved in it. Right. And Ryan Reynolds, uh, who's not now out of the running, uh, he owns a Welsh soccer team, I believe. And uh, he has a, a, a reality show about the team. And I guess those are kind of innovative ways that these people are finding to generate revenue from these properties. And that's that's true, too, is is that what you're finding increasingly is that professional sports owners are starting to find that this is a vehicle to other things. Uh, the Ryan Reynolds group was really backed by uh, investors that were probably looking at the property play uh, around the Sens. They're looking to build a new arena in downtown Ottawa and inevitably around that uh, arena are going to be uh, commercial high rises, residential high rises. And so it, it really is just a vehicle to other things. Ryan Reynolds has picked up on that and recognized that owning a professional sports franchise is not really the ego aspect of it, but it's that the play to lead to Netflix specials. And he did say that if he were the owners of the Sens, that was something that he wanted to do similarly for the Sens in the lead up to that arena build uh, and opening. Right. And Snoop Dogg really wanting to get in. He says he's going to include an equity stake for local indigenous communities and he wants to help grow the sport of hockey in the United States, especially among black children, which sounds great. But uh, I guess, you know, for Snoop Dogg, this is a, an investment as well. And like you say, it could pay off really well. Correct. And, and this is the vehicle for him to do that. So he's not necessarily interested in the Sens per se, although there was a, a clip of him wearing a, a Sens jersey. But, you know, I mean, he could have just as easily been wearing a, a Pens jersey or a Sabres jersey. Right. Uh, for him, he's seeing this that if he can get involved in sports ownership, great investment. But it also allows him to bring a sport that he fell in love with when Gretzky uh, started playing with the Kings. He, he was a notable uh, uh, guest. Uh, at, at the time when maybe he was a little bit socially unacceptable. But now that he's mainstream, uh, he can certainly use his platforms as a way to try and broaden the reach. Uh, he's hoping that's part of the appeal then to the NHL to consider the bid that he's a part of. So what is the state of professional hockey economically? I know basketball in the last 20 years has exploded in growth and has become so profitable around the world. And uh, it's kind of seemed... Uh, that hockey was sort of lagging behind a little bit. It's a very niche thing. But what's the state economically of hockey in, in, in the world? So, yeah, it, it's not basketball and it, it never will be basketball. Hockey is always going to be constrained that it can only be played within certain climates. And, and so that's always going to limit it, its global appeal. 
but you now have 32 franchises that maybe with the exception of the Coyotes down in Arizona, they're all doing reasonably well. They all have valuations that are much, much higher than they were 20 years ago. And we're seeing right now in the conference finals uh, that the strategy of trying to build the game in the South that did begin, in fact, when Gretzky uh, went to the Kings in the, in the late 80s is, is showing success. You have Carolina and Florida playing on one side and you have Vegas and Dallas playing on the other side. Clearly, uh, hockey has taken root in the South. Uh, but of course, like anything, the, the greatest thing that is going to improve the economics of any professional sport is that the quality of play has to be at the highest, highest level. And the NHL really is the only league if you're going to play professionally in the world uh, where you end up. And so it does draw in the highest talent and, and that makes it appealing. Yeah, and you know, judging by what I'm seeing in the playoffs now, it, it definitely is of it's a very high caliber. But how important is it for Canada to have a strong presence? A lot of people complaining it's been so long since a Canadian team has won the Stanley Cup. How important is that to the NHL? You know what? I don't think it's that important. I, I know that there's a lot of anti-Batman uh, sentiment that uh, yeah. how they feel that uh, you know the league offices are against Canada. Let, let's not forget that. Canadians are on every team in the NHL, uh, and they are the largest single nationality represented in the NHL. So it's not like, you know, Canada is in any way suffering. It's just the Canadian-based franchise hasn't won in 30 years. Uh, you know, the thing is that Canada will always support hockey. Canada loves hockey. And so, uh, you know, it's not really necessarily important that Canada wins the Stanley Cup. And even if they did... Uh, I know as a Flames fan, I couldn't care less if Edmonton wins. And if the Flames are knocked out and Edmonton's in, there is zero chance that I'm going to say, well, as long as Edmonton wins, I just want to see Canada win a cup. No, I'd actively cheer against Edmonton uh, like anybody else would. So I, I don't think to label us all as one group here uh, is really the, the important thing. And I know the NHL doesn't view it as that way either. As long as the franchises are strong, as long as there's competitive balance, they couldn't care less which team is winning in the end. And like you said, Gary Bettman gets a lot of flack and a lot of people accuse him of wanting the American teams to get in. How realistic is that, do you think? No, he can't control what goes on in the ice. <laughs> but the, you know, when, when a game goes to the fourth overtime, like it did a couple nights ago, he, he can't be calling down there saying, all right, make sure that Florida puts it in at two in the morning. So, you know, it, it's, it's merely a matter of, he just wants to see that his owners are making money. He represents their interests. And as long as they're able to turn a $92 million investment into a $1.1 billion sale, then he's doing his job. And it really doesn't matter then what the, the city is. What he wants to see is a set of strong franchises. He does not want to see the franchise relocation that happened towards the end of the, the 20th century when Hartford, Winnipeg, and Quebec City lost their teams in rapid succession. As long as everybody's stable, uh, he, he's not really interested in what happens on the ice any more than any other fan is. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.